Welcome to the Compliance Perspectives Podcast. I'm Adam Turtletaub from the Society of Corporate Compliance and Ethics and Healthcare Compliance Association. Joining us today from Waterloo, Belgium is Rodrigo Cunha. Rodrigo is Global Director, Legal Ethics, Compliance and Data Protection for ABN Bev. And today we're going to be talking about digital ethics, privacy issues, and how they all work together or don't, as the case may be. Uh, first, Rodrigo, thank you for taking time out of your evening to talk to us today. Thank you, Adam. Happy to be here. No, pleasure having you. I really appreciate this. Um, let's talk about this, I think, fascinating topic. The, the efforts to comply with GDPR and other privacy laws are obviously enormous, which makes it easy to take a very rules-based approach for organizations looking at data. But by the same token, as this is all going on, it's important to remember that there are ethical issues involved. Um, to start, can you take us through some of the issues that you see that everyone with personal data should be considering? Sure. So I think, first of all, right, what I wanted to, to emphasize that I see this is an evolution, right? Of course, I think risk management is the first step that any company should take. So first of all, you need to make sure they're complying, right, with the law, whatever you are operating. At ABI, this is the first pillar that we have of our strategy. Along with it, we have ethical tech innovation. So essentially, what I mean by ethical tech innovation is making sure that this risk management is embedded by design, right, in the platforms that we create. And don't get me wrong, right, we are a beer business, but we're very tech, right? 55% of our revenue already uh, is driven by digital platforms, being B2B or D2C. But in the third pillar of our strategy, is reputation and trust. As we believe that these platforms are gonna be key for our success in the business, right? we think that digital ethics is an enabler for us to boost reputation and trust from our customers and cons consumers. And I think anyone, going back to your point, right? anyone with personal data should be looking at expectations beyond compliance. And that's what I also mean by this ethical tech innovation. So when you look at what China is doing with uh, AI regulation, the SEC now advocating for more transparency in cybersecurity data instant management, the FTC talking about what commercial surveillance is and expectations from other companies, all of those things are grounded on regulatory expectations that go far beyond just complying with data privacy laws. So there's a lot of expectations from companies being from regulators or people, right? I think. You know, a good example for us to see how these things are driving a lot of action in the corporate world is the AAO list, right, with companies that are that were doing business in Russia and how that drove a lot of action from companies, right, from corporate, uh, from corporations. The other example that I would say is like ASG reports now influencing uh, financial investments. So there's a lot that uh, other instruments other than regulations they're driving and i think this is for me the most important topic that the companies they should be paying attention to it's not only about compliance people should be looking at expectations and what those expectations will look like in the future well and i certainly agree with you i mean one of the things i think we've all seen through the years is the fact that expectations do keep rising as people become more aware of what potential issues there are, whether it's from proper use, misuse, or just a social awakening to the topic. Now, 
ABI created a digital ethics department. What led to its creation? Yeah, I think the first aspect is that it's very hard, right, to have a global uh, data protection program in a consistent manner, right? We operate in 50 countries globally. And data protection is very different from, let's say, anti-corruption complies, which is what I did in my previous life. I actually <laughs> still do it. Um, but essentially, if you look at it, right, there's, there's no jurisdiction that allows a bribery, right? So it's forbidden everywhere. But when you look at data protection or data ethics, your concepts like lawfulness and fairness, they vary a lot from jurisdiction to jurisdiction. So I think the first decision that we made was, okay, we need to come up with principles that we stand for regardless of where we're operating. And I think that's the first, um, that was the first time that we thought about it as ethics and not necessarily legal in the sense that we are, we want just to comply with uh, the laws where we're operating. So we established the five principles at that time. First one was we collect only the data that we need. The second was we use it only how we said we would. The third was we protect what we get. The fourth was we keep what we need. And the fifth was we are accountable. Those are GDPR inspired principles, but they would be working in most jurisdictions as a, as a way to, to make uh, the approach consistent. So that's, that's the first decision towards ethics as opposed to, to compliance or beyond compliance. The, the, the second one was uh, when we started to ask ourselves, okay, going back to the expectations, right? What else do our stakeholders they expect from us? That's where we have this concept of fairness, of fairness in a way that beyond complying with the laws, beyond complying with those principles, what are the consequences of using data that could be unintended, right? So we embedded these principles into our five principles. Now we have six, and and it is we use the data how we how people expect we would. And this is essentially, you know, what for me materializes our commitment not only to compliance, but also to that um, to that point of fairness, right? To that position of a of a company or ourselves positioning ourselves as a champion in the topic of the data ethics, not only because we comply with the law, but also because we want to avoid any unintended consequences of collecting and using data from our stakeholders. Well, and that's not an easy thing to do. I mean, you know, as you were enumerating those five principles, they all make absolutely perfect sense. But by the same token, there's always that challenge of somebody wants to do something else, collect something more, let's hold on to this longer, those kinds of issues, which can lead into trouble. And I imagine that means you constantly have to work with both the broader compliance team and the business units closely. How does that work? Well, for me, it's, it's, it's more of the same, right? Because I have, I have a, a very long history in the, the compliance uh, team, right? So I started, uh, you know, working in compliance um, broadly 12 years ago. So this is essentially my, my main expertise, right? Doing compliance in the sense of the cycle, right? So you define controls, 
you measure them and you open gaps and then you redefine controls based on the gaps that you found. So for me, it's, it's very natural that we look at this as the same compliance cycle, but with a different aspect of it, a different subject matter. Um, I think the other thing that I have seen lately that it's a big synergy, right, uh, with working with uh, the compliance team is uh, the investigation, the legal investigation aspect of cyber incidents and vulnerabilities, right? So essentially when we, when we think about uh, vulnerability, data incidents and vulnerabilities, we normally talk about, you know, IT teams, detecting, remediating, right, going, going back and, and making the company operational again. But there is an increasing, again, expectation from companies to deal with it uh, in the sense of, uh, you know, enforcing policies, right, from a compliance perspective. So, and I think the legal team is better equipped to do this, or the compliance team is better equipped to do this than the, the, the IT teams. The other thing that is, um, is a very pressing you know, point uh, these days is materiality and disclosure determination. And again, the legal team is better equipped to make that uh, determination. Um, so having this compliance background has helped me to, to shape those processes and to, to work with my IT colleagues to, to make sure that we have the correct oversight visibility around those incidents and we can make those investigations, we can make those determinations uh, in a proper manner. And you want to make those in a proper manner, just like you want to make sure you use the data in the proper way. Now, marketers of all kind are collecting data on consumers and that data in the hands of others could be used in ways that no one intended. Uh, you know, for example, you know, in your situation, you have a lot of alcohol consumption data. Somebody getting hold of that could be damaging to customers. How should compliance teams work with business leaders to help them better understand all the risks involved? Yeah, I think the only way is to evolve the definition of the three lines of defense, right? The classic definitions of uh, your first line of defense is whoever is building a platform or you know the business teams. The second line of defense is compliance, legal. The third is audit, uh, internal audit. I think now with uh you know the with uh with agile right agile ways of working um you know and all the tech environment that we see with uh you know increasing speed of innovation we need to we need to evolve that concept too right so i think the first thing that we need to do is to have more and engaging training activities for the first line of defense as well as policy enforcement, again, right? You have to have the policies, so you have to train people, engage them, make them understand their responsibility, but you also have to have clear policies and enforce them when something goes wrong, right? So people really understand that they are accountable along with you for whatever happens, um, you know, uh, to the businesses that they are running. And I think the second aspect of it is, is put more of the second line, so legal compliance, data privacy, into the first line. So dedicating people to those risk functions like marketing, sales, um, HR. So all these functions that manage data at scale, right? And they're risky because of that. The more you can dedicate people that are knowledgeable to that first line to work together with the team 
the teams in the scrum methodology and making sure that we're spotting and addressing risks as this, they come up. I think that's the better or that's the best scenario that, that you can have. The more you can make sure that you're really embedding this concept of ethics by design, um, that's, uh, that's where you need to go uh, these days. And having it in the design certainly heads off problems later. Now, when it comes to data and privacy, the issues just keep evolving. What do you see on the horizon that we should start thinking about now? Yeah, I think everybody's talking about the metaverse, right, blockchain, uh, and how these going to bring you know opportunities, but also challenges. For example, how you're going to are you going to reconcile decentralization interoperability of those uh, systems, right, environments with a, with a free and informed consent? So who is going to hold that data and how, how will that uh, consent move um, between those, those different systems, right? So that's, that's, for me, one of the key challenges of the, you know, the, the new technologies that are coming. Um, they're already here, actually, right? So, but you know, challenges are are, are becoming more um, you know sophisticated, and and I think we're we're dealing with those um, as we as we go. But I would go back to the point about expectations because I think what really is going to happen, right, in the near future, and I think you mentioned that that people are getting more conscious about their rights and. Uh, you know, thinking about privacy as a fundamental right, right? Um, and I think the more people people are conscious and knowledgeable about uh, their rights, I think the less we're going to see this privacy paradox, right? So uh, companies will need to understand that once people start walking the talk and only sharing their data with companies they trust, right? So once that happens, I think that's that's where we're going to see a, a really a real change right in behavior from consumers and customers. Because today we still see a lot of this privacy paradox, so people thinking about privacy as an important issue, but they don't behave accordingly. And I think in the future, this is going to drive companies to be successful or not if they are able to build that trust with consumers and customers, really showing that they are champions in this field. And so because of that, and because they're champions, they're, they're, uh, they're worth of the trust of the customers and consumers to keep doing business with them. I think for me, that's, that's gonna be the, the big change in the near future, when people start looking at privacy as a, a fundamental, uh, fundamental right and walking the talk when it comes to, to doing business only with companies that are valuing um, uh, their rights as such. Well, Rodrigo, thank you for sharing these insights with us. Uh, I wanna thank all of you for taking the time to listen. I'm Adam Turtletaub from SCCE and HCCA. I hope we're able to expand your compliance perspective.